listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. I'm so glad you can join us again for this episode of Let the Bible Speak. We have started a new series of studies on Paul's first letter to Timothy. This is a very important section in God's Word. Highlights very important details regarding the functioning of the New Testament church and the work of the New Testament pastor. It's important in these days, as with the coronavirus pandemic, the role of the church in society has been certainly brought to the fore afresh. Is the church to be viewed as something that's essential? What is the role of the church in terms of giving advice and direction to those in authority? What does the church do in terms of evangelism? How does the church function for those who are in need? All of these issues come to the fore in Paul's first letter to Timothy. And so it is a a very vital section of God's word for our consideration. I want to remind you again that these broadcasts are made available free of charge on various online platforms. It's available via iTunes, also on Podbean for Android users, and they're also uploaded to our webpage on sermonaudio.com. And all of these uh, platforms, just look for Malvern and Free Presbyterian Church and, and you should find the, the relevant broadcast. But before we come to the Word of God again today, let's just take a time to, to pray together. I trust that you can pray now and ask for God to speak to your heart today as we consider his word. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you for the Bible that speaks truth to our souls, the word that is relevant in every time. And thus we ask, O Lord, that you speak to us afresh today. Use your word, we pray. Enable us to apply our minds to it and use it in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is, of course, a letter, and Paul opens this letter to Timothy with these words. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Saviour, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a letter. The writer is the Apostle Paul and the recipient is Timothy. Like every letter, the means of communication is using words. Words that are a powerful force for good or sadly for ill. Words, the words that we use, they reflect our convictions. They reflect our hearts. Oh, undoubtedly we can be... uh, disingenuous in our words, our words can be filled with deceit and lies. But in the general scheme of things, it is out of the heart that the mouth speaks. That's true for all of us. Words reflect convictions, beliefs, 
How much more is that the case when the words are the words of a spirit-filled man? Paul, writing this letter, is writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And thus these words have a lasting impact. Of course, they had a profound impact upon Timothy. But they impact all of us as we consider their relevance to our particular time. We should be careful, wise in the words that we use. And thus in Paul's letter here, these opening words of greetings, they're more than just the conventions of letter writing. They are words that reflect his heart. And so I said to you on the last broadcast that we were going to look at these opening two verses using three words to really hang our thoughts on. We thought last time about the concept of authority here. Uh, and these opening words, they, they, reveal, they reveal Paul's view of his own position and therefore his authority over the people of God. He refers to himself as an apostle. He's an apostle by the commandment of God. Paul serves under God's authority. And as such, Paul therefore commands Timothy and all gospel ministers. And Timothy in turn charges the church. Hence there is apostolic authority within the church. Not in the papacy or in some self-appointed apostle. But apostolic authority rests in the opening up the exposition of the word of God. And that word has a tremendous authority over the people of God. They are bound to obey apostolic authority. As the minister of God's word opens up the scriptures and applies the word of God to people's hearts and lives. And so that was something we saw regarding authority. But today we move on. I want to use the word identity here. Because in verse number two, Paul describes Timothy's identity. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. We should note that he does not initially refer to Timothy as we would see him in his role in the church as a pastor. But he fundamentally looks upon Timothy in terms of who he is in Christ Jesus. He refers to Timothy as his own son in the faith. That's a very a very relevant matter. Many people find their identity in the church in terms of the role they occupy. I'm the pastor, I'm the deacon, I'm the Sunday school teacher, whatever it may be, or, or identities rests in our role in the work of God. But in God's order of things, our role in the church only arises out of who we are in Christ. Leadership, responsibility in the church only belongs to those who are in the Lord, who are in the faith. I want to remind you of this once more, that we ought not to be advertising for people to fulfill certain positions in our church. Our church offices must be fulfilled by those who are born again of the Spirit of God. We are not running a professional institution. We are running a spiritual body. And those who serve that body, they must be, they must be in the Lord. But having said that in passing, we do note this relationship that exists between Paul and Timothy. As Paul highlights Timothy's identity, he refers to Timothy as my own son in the faith. We see immediately this relationship is paternal. 
It's a paternal relationship. There's a close relationship between these men. But Paul sees himself as Timothy's father. We read in the book of Acts, Acts 16, that when Paul and Luke and others come to Lystra, they find a certain disciple there. His name is Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. We're introduced to Timothy in those opening words of Acts 16. He's brought your attention because he's going to fulfill a very significant role in the early church. It's hard to know, was Timothy converted through Paul's ministry? Or more likely, Paul finds him as a young believer, a young man in the faith. And therefore he's brought under Paul's nurturing wing. Acts 16 tells us that Paul desired to have Timothy come with him. He obviously saw in Timothy the work of the Spirit of God. He saw Timothy as a a young man of, of potential in the service of the king. And so, as we discover Timothy's role in the church developing in the various letters, we find that Paul at several times uses Timothy as his messenger. He uses Timothy as a messenger for Christ. Uh, we have in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2, that Paul sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. And so you see how Timothy came under Paul's discipleship. Paul taught Timothy. Paul explained the gospel to Timothy. And then, in turn, Paul was able to send Timothy out into various churches. Timothy was very highly regarded in Paul's mind. When Paul writes to the Philippian church in chapter 2 and verse 19, and Paul says this, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Here's a very interesting picture of what discipleship should look like. Paul brought Timothy under his care, taught him the gospel, And as Timothy knows the gospel of Christ, he's then useful in the service of the church. It is important that if you're listening to this as an older believer, that you take your responsibility and your privilege seriously to disciple younger believers, to teach them the things of God, but also by your example and by your exhortation to teach them to care for others. Paul taught Timothy to care for the church. And as he says in Philippians chapter 2, sorry, Timothy will naturally care for your state. And so this father-son relationship between Paul and Timothy has been so formative in Timothy's life. He has become like his father, like father, like son. And there is this affection. Affection between these men. Paul again refers to Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, where he describes Timothy and their relationship as a son with a father. 
one who's served with him in the gospel. And so yes, it is a paternal relationship, but it's also a spiritual relationship. This is not a natural relationship. Timothy is not Paul's natural son. He's a son, as he says, in the faith. In the original, my own son refers to one who is genuinely a son, not an illegitimate son. It speaks of Timothy's genuineness, a true son, a true child of God. But what marks him out as genuine and true is the sincerity of his faith. So we see his identity as being governed by how he relates to the gospel. Timothy's mother was a Jew, his father was a Greek, and thus to an Orthodox Jew, Timothy would have been viewed as being illegitimate. But Paul says no, Paul says he's a true son. And he refers to Timothy in the second letter to Timothy, he speaks about Timothy's unfeigned faith. That's the key. Timothy has a genuine faith in Christ. And because of his genuine faith in Christ, then truly he is a son in the faith. You see, the church is a family unit, a family unit of God's people. And if if your faith is in Christ Jesus, then you're part of the family of God. Some people, they, they wonder, is God their father? Well, it, in one sense, God is a father in the creative sense, but not in the spiritual sense, not in the sense of that family unity, that family identity. The children of God are those who believe in Christ Jesus. John 1 verse 11 and following describes those who reject Christ and those who receive Christ. But those who receive Christ are those who believe in his name and they are the ones who have the power or if you like the legal authority to be the sons of God. And so the family of God is made up of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. But all those who have faith in Christ, like Timothy, are indeed part of this family. And so when we think about the issue of identity, really the key issue is, where do you stand in relationship to Christ Jesus? Are you in Christ? Are you in the faith? Well, if so, you're a child of God. If so, you're valued in the presence of God. If so, you've access to the throne room of God. If so, you've, you've that sense that you can call God Abba, Father. And so when you think about these very simple words of opening of this letter, Paul says unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, uh, there, is, there is so much to instruct the people of God. Remember your identity in Christ. Remember you're part of a family unit of God's people. Value your identity, value your worth. But also, See the exhortation, see the example of Paul to disciple and to nurture and to build up younger believers. Well, that's a word regarding identity. But what about humility? That's the third word. We've, we've thought about authority, we've thought about identity. Let me, let me say a word regarding humility. And the, the sense of humility comes because as the apostle closes his greeting... He brings words that are prayers to God for Timothy. Unto Timothy, grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a prayer. Oh, it's good to pray for our friends. I wonder, do we pray for those 
We maybe get a, a text message or an email from somebody. Do we pray over that? Do we, do we ask God to give them grace and mercy and peace? It's very important to pray for those that we relate to in the Church of Christ. And we know it's a prayer because Paul acknowledges that these things come from God. It's from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. These gifts of grace, mercy and peace, they, they come from the Father by virtue of the work of Christ. We know that's true. We know that every spiritual gift comes because Christ has purchased those gifts on Calvary. And the Father gives those gifts on the merit of the finished work of the Son. The language in this prayer is, is very common. In fact, all of Paul's epistles have this prayer somewhere at the beginning and or indeed at the end. And it's found in all of these letters because these are things the Apostle believes that every true Christian needs. Now please, please take note that this is a prayer for those who are already saved. Paul has described Timothy as my own son in the faith. And yet he prays that Timothy as a believer would know grace, mercy and peace. Now that's important when we think about what these requests actually mean. It's a prayer to God for the graces that the Christian needs. In other words, they must mean something more than saving grace, saving mercy, and peace with God. Now, we have recently looked at uh, one of these prayers in a recent broadcast. I commend that to you on the subject of the need for grace and the need for peace. But let me very quickly remind you that the grace that is viewed here is the grace that is a strength that comes from God. It is the grace that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he understood the infirmity of his flesh. He had sought the Lord to remove the thorn. And the Lord replies to him, my grace is sufficient. And in that context, there's a paralleling between the grace of God and the strength of God. Grace in the Bible is used in a a very broad way. It speaks of saving grace but also speaks of sustaining and keeping grace. Grace to live for God when we are weak. The hymn writer Newton made it very, very clear, "'Tis grace has led me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home." We can't live, serve, or obey without God's grace. We need God's strength. We must pray for God's grace, both for ourselves and for others. Grace. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, Grace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. In a similar fashion, he prays for peace. This is not the peace that comes with God, but the peace that is of God. Now, the peace with God is a precious thing for the child of God. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5. We delight that we are no longer at enmity with God. But there is also a peace that God gives us. It's a peace that comes, that passes understanding, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4. It's a peace that Christ himself gives. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 in the verse 16 says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. What is this peace of God? Well, in the Greek, the word for peace is really just the opposite of war and turmoil. The Hebrew word for peace is is well known. It is the word shalom. 
It carries with it the idea of calmness and tranquility. God is at peace. God is the God of peace. He's absolutely secure. He's unchangeable. He's invulnerable. Absolutely sovereign. And as God contemplates these realities, there is a sensation in the Godhead of absolute calmness and tranquility. Nothing ever startles or terrifies God. Nothing surprises God or alarms God or gives him concern. How unlike God we are. How filled with turmoil and trouble and anxiety. And yet we have the assurance in the word of God that God will give peace to those who ask ask for that peace from God. And it is that peace that Paul prays for Timothy. Based on the foundation of the grace of God, merited by the cross of Christ, he prays that Timothy would know that calmness of spirit and that disposition of their security and their standing in Christ, that they rest secure in the confidence that the sovereign God is their heavenly Father. This peace is the absence of fear and turmoil. And we think of this day and how greatly we feel our need for this peace. So Paul is praying for Timothy. He prays that he would know grace and peace. But in the middle of that, he adds this prayer for mercy. Grace, mercy and peace. Mercy. We often think of mercy in terms of God's response to our sinfulness. When God shows us mercy, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Oh, I want to remind you again, as you listen to this broadcast, that we are sinners in the sight of God. We deserve nothing but God's wrath and condemnation. And yet he shows us mercy by drawing us to Christ and bringing us under the covering of Christ's precious work. But here, Paul is praying for Timothy, a believer. He's praying for Timothy, that Timothy would know mercy from God because the believer still sins. Even pastor Timothy will still sin. There will be things in Timothy's heart that are not according to the word of God. Words may come from his lips. There may be actions that are not performed in sincerity. And thus he needs mercy. Oh, I urge you, beware any idea of sinless perfection this side of eternity. Beware any idea that a believer can be perfectly sinless in the sight of God. Even a man of God like Timothy, he had to know the mercy of God. Paul knew that. Timothy knew that. I hope you know that as well. And so Paul would exhort us to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, Hebrews 4, 16. You see, dear child of God, your identity in Christ is a precious thing. But as Paul closes this greeting, it reminds us of our need for humility in the sight of God. Paul is teaching Timothy in this prayer that Timothy cannot live one moment without God. Though he's in the faith, though Paul regards him highly as a son in the faith, Paul understands that this son in the faith needs grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear child of God, I'm telling you today, you cannot live a second without God. This would be a good prayer for you to pray as you set your feet on the ground every morning. 
As you rise out of bed, simply say to God, Lord, I need your grace today. I need your strength today. If you do not strengthen me, I will fall. If you don't strengthen me, I'm going to fall back into the ways of sin. I need your grace. You rise in the morning, you say, Lord, I need your mercy. I'm a sinner. Oh yes, I'm born again of the Spirit of God, but I still sin in thought and word and deed. I need your mercy today. And as you rise in the morning and you contemplate all the various responsibilities and troubles that await you in the will of God, how we need to pray, Oh Lord, give me peace. Give me that peace. Give me that settled assurance, that peaceful disposition, remembering that you are my God, you're my heavenly Father. Oh, these are good prayers. And so as you think about this matter of Paul's authority and Timothy's identity, it brings us in closing to the need for our humility, that we pray for ourselves and that we pray for others. Pray that others within the church of Christ would know this grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to pray now. Once more, I do thank you for tuning in to this episode of Let the Bible Speak. I do trust there'll be a benefit and a blessing to all of your hearts. We need to hear the word of God in these days. And may God bless his word to your soul. Let's pray together as we draw this broadcast to a close. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we do humbly thank you once more for the glorious work of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you that as he died on Calvary, he secured peace with God, that we who are at enmity with God are reconciled through the blood of the cross. And we thank you that as Christ died, he secures every spiritual gift that is required for all of God's people. And so we pray, O Lord, we, we ask for those gifts to be given to those who are listening to this broadcast. We pray, O Lord, for those who are struggling today, those who feel weak and need grace, for those who are sinning and need mercy, for those, O Lord, who are in turmoil and need peace. Grant the listeners to this broadcast, grant them grace and mercy and peace. And bless the Church of Christ. We thank you for your work, and we pray you'd help us, O Lord, to honour and to serve thee these days. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.